Welcome everyone to today's devotion. We're in 2 Timothy 4, the final chapter of this book. Uh, so uh, starting Monday, Lord willing, we'll, we'll start in the book of Titus, which is itself a, a pretty short book. I think it's three chapters. I'm probably wrong on that. Um, but uh, it's it's a pretty short book as, as well. And what you have in First, Second Timothy, and Titus is what's known as the pastoral epistles. So if you've been trekking with us in Second Timothy, you've noticed that the emphasis is on uh, Timothy as a minister ministering in, in difficult times. And uh, Titus will be similar to that. It'll have some practical uh, issues like appointing deacons and elders, like he did in First Timothy. But it's it's a it's a manual for a letter for 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 a young minister. Well. Uh, chapter four begins with a well-known, uh, excuse me, passage, and we need to remember that it picks up with what we saw at the end of chapter three, that all scripture is inspired, and excuse me, I got the hiccups, given by God, uh, and that through the word of God, the man of God, uh, the man of God will will be complete for every good work. Well, then chapter four begins with. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearance in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort, and, com- and with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from the listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Now, when I was in seminary, every semester, we had chapel every week, um, and about two or three of the speakers would choose this passage to preach from, and rightly so. Um, chances are, if you've been to ordination service, one of the passages read from is right here, right? Um, and and rightly so. Uh, this is the the preacher's mandate. I charge you, for heaven and earth, preach the word, preach the word. That's the key. Um, and so, at the end of chapter three, he articulates what the word of God is. It's, it's inspired and breathed out by God, and it is good f- for, for, for uh, producing that the man of God will be complete for every good work. Therefore, your mission, if you will accept it, is to preach the word. Preach it. You, you don't preach opinion. You don't preach traditions. You certainly don't preach politics. What you preach is the word of God, which directs us to Christ and his saving gospel. Right. So um, I this is why I, we do exegetical, uh, predominantly exegetical preaching teaching here. In fact, these devotions have been exegetical. You you, you start in one passage and you keep going until, until you're done. Although we've been doing more chapter-to-chapter exegesis here in the devotions. But we're in Ecclesiastes on Sunday night. We're in First Samuel Sunday morning. Uh, we took a brief break from, from Genesis on, on Wednesday nights. Uh, we're in the New Testament on Monday to Friday in these devotions. And the reason is because when you preach the Bible, you don't preach yourself. Too many preachers have stood up on their soapbox and and they spend more time with the newspaper in their hand than the Bible in their hand. And so what they'll tell you is everything wrong with the world um, rather than here is Christ and him crucified. What are you going to do about it? Right, and, and that is unfortunate. That doesn't mean that topical preaching or textual preaching or or, or doctoral preaching and we, we, we do all that here isn't beneficial, but it is imperative that uh, the Word of God shapes our ministry and therefore shapes our sermon and therefore shapes our people. Preach the Word. Preach the Word. And every member should have the expectation from their pastor that the Word of God is being preached. 
But then notice, it isn't just you preach the word, but you preach it, always preach the word, in season, out of season. And it's funny how many people want to know exactly what Paul means here. I'm from Moyne County. What that means is, in deer season and out of deer season. In turkey season, out of turkey season. Uh, in basketball season, out of basketball season, right? Look, the truth is, you're either in season or out of season. There is no in-between, right? Um, in sports, you call it off-season and, and the season, right? You're always in one or, or, or the other. The point is, always preach the word. Uh, with in your preaching, reprove, rebuke, and exhort, and to do so with complete patience and teaching, right? Um, um, that's that's responsibility with the word of God to preach the word of God to rebuke, exhort, and reprove. The time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching by having each in the years they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, um, and they'll have their own television shows. They'll, they'll amass a great following on YouTube. Um, and they'll have really fancy sneakers to put on Instagram. Why waste your time with that? Look, if, if you want to gauge the spiritual depth of American evangelicalism, I want you to look at who it is that the average Christian is reading. And that'll tell you everything you need to know about the poor state of the church. You want to know why uh, we've not handled pandemic very well? Because we weren't ready to handle pandemic very well. We are spiritually anemic, still on milk. And you can tell that. I used to work at a Christian bookstore. We weren't selling deep theological works. We were selling uh, cookie-cutter, uh, scratch-and-sniff uh, works that had very little to do with the Bible that, outside of a few Jesus language, could, could, could be a Oprah special. Uh, and that's a problem. We've confused uh, uh, biblical exegesis with psychological counseling. Uh, and and that is that is unfortunate and it is wrong. We've got to get back to uh, sound uh, gospel. Uh, and because people want their ears tickled, they want to be entertained, they want to be encouraged, they want all this sort of stuff. So I don't know how many people said I come to church in order to feel better about myself. Well, frankly, who cares about you? Maybe the church doesn't exist for you. The church exists for the glory of God to be manifested uh, in the world and to disciple believers. So maybe you should come to church not for yourself, but for the glory of God. And when you come for the glory of God, then you'll find the, the, the personal and corporate benefits of, of Christ. Um, it says, even though people want their ears uh, itched and they won't listen to the truth, you must always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the works of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. At the end of the day, that, that's the responsibility. Fulfill your ministry. As a minister of the gospel, as a Christian, fulfill your ministry. That is your job. So whether you're a pastor watching this um, or whether you are a lay person watching this, your responsibility is to fulfill the ministry God in Christ has given you. But then notice that it changes in verse 6 where, where Paul here recognizes his time uh, of death is coming. So he'll say, I am already being poured out as a drink offering. Um, and so he, he recognizes that I am about to be offered. I'm about to, to be executed, to be, to be martyred. And the time of my departure has come. Right, so this is why um, this is Paul's last letter that we have in history and certainly in, in Scripture. And he concludes, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Um, this is a triumphant conclusion to a life well lived. Let it be your go. You would be able to say, uh, the time of my departure is at hand. 
I fought the good fight, I finished the race, and there waits for me a crown of righteousness that the judge will award me. Man, that's, that's a goal to set. And to be able to claim it, certainly a blessing. Well, what he has in verse 9, um, really to the end, end of the book, um, is his present condition. And it's, it's really tragic to read. We don't have time to go through it in any detail. Um, I think this is a great passage to look at when discussing pastoral depression. Uh, I've actually preached on it uh, when I was an interim minister in Breckridge County. Um, I've taught on it in, in various contexts. Um, and it's really sobering. Um, Paul's story really ends in tragedy, not just with his execution, but with his loneliness. Um, notice here that virtually all the names he's mentioned in verses 9 uh, to 18 are people who have left him. Some for good reasons, as we'll see. Some for bad reasons. For example, Demas, he says verse 10, um, deserted him in Thessalonica because he's in love with his world. And that's, that's heartache. Any minister can tell you this, the heartache that is. Part of your soul leaves. Crescens has gone to Galatia. Uh, he doesn't say if it's good or for bad, but we, we can assume here, given the benefit of doubt, it's for good. Titus to Dalmatia. We know that's a good thing. Paul sent Titus away. Luke alone is with me. Now, uh, there's two ways to read this. One is to say, everyone's left and all I have left is, is Luke. So it's a good thing. Or, with tongue in cheek, it's a bad thing. Right? Uh, you can see Paul saying, look, everyone that's cool to hang out with has left me, and I'm left with Luke. Right? Now, I don't think that, that is how we should read it, but I found that hilarious. Uh, then he says, get Mark and bring him with you. Now, Mark is the uh, writer of the Gospel of Mark. And, and Mark is the guy, you may recall, that led to the split between Barnabas and, um, and uh, Paul. Um, that because of Mark's decisions, uh, uh, Barnabas sided with Mark and the two split. Now we see reconciliation between Paul and, and Mark. So that's, that's good to see at the end of his, his life. Um, in fact, Paul says he's very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus, he was sent to Ephesus. Um, I believe Tychicus shows up in... Uh, some of the epistles. Uh, Alexander the coppersmith, verse 14, did me great harm. The Lord will repay him for his deeds. So, so notice what he does. In verse 10 and verse 14, uh, we have people who, who have abandoned Paul for, for evil reasons. And in the middle are good reasons people have left. But in the middle of that, he says, not only do I want you to come, but I want you to bring people with you. Because it's just Luke here with me. And, and I'm lonely. I've dedicated these last years of my life to, to the gospel of Christ, and yet what I have here is loneliness in a dungeon that will lead to my death. I don't want to die alone. I want to benefit others these, these final days. It really is tragic. In fact, notice verse 16. At my first offense, no one came to, to stand by me, but all deserted me. May not be charged against them. One, we see just the graciousness of, of Paul. But then we, we also see just his loneliness and his feeling of abandonment. Again, dear Christian, why do you think that your life is going to be easy simply because you've called upon Christ? That's never been the story of Christians. Life isn't going to be easy, period. But in Christ, we can endure. We can do so with joy and graciousness as we fight the good fight and we seek to finish the race. In fact, notice in verse 21, um, or, uh, in fact, verse 20, Erastus remained at Corinth, I left Trophenus, who was ill at Miletus. There's two more that are no longer with him. 
but just want to do your best to come before winter. Now, now we, we haven't spent a lot of time on this, but, but what do you request of Timothy is to bring the parchments that could be his own writings, it could be scripture, it could be anything. Um, uh, and he also requests a coat. He's cold. So come before winter because it's cold outside and no one cares about my, my well-being. It's tragic, isn't it? But what is Paul's aim here? A crown of righteousness for finishing the race. And he does so, and he suffers so well with grace and gentleness. We have much to learn from Paul's example, don't we? But what does he wants from Timothy? Fulfill your ministry. What does God want from you to fulfill your ministry? Whether in pandemic or out of pandemic, be faithful to the calling God has given you. Hope to see you guys here Monday.